Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Fight in Progress podcast, episode eight, Partners in Crime, the talk, brought to you by our sponsor, Universal MMA. And now here's our hosts, Susan Lewis Simmons and Ace Walker. Welcome. Hey, guys. Welcome to the podcast today. Uh, we're going to be talking about something you guys have been requesting for a long time. By a long time, I mean two months since we've been around. Uh, but we're going to be talking about intimacy and relationships, right? We're going to be having the talk today. Uh, Susan, I know you have a ton of material on this, um, a lot of issues that come from marriages. This, what do you think? Well, let's just say exactly what it is now, Ace. It's the sex talk. <laughs> <laughs> this draws a lot of interest to uh, our trainings that we do with spouses included. And yes, this is a uh, certainly a major issue and something that needs to be addressed. And today's a good time to start talking about this. I understand you've had some people even bring this subject up to you. Yeah, uh, both in person and through messages. Over the last year, um, since I've been meeting with you and talking about more of this kind of stuff at work and trying to help people with their relationships and their marriages, um, this is something that I see almost every time. It, this, is a, this is a constant, uh, which is funny because in meeting with you, this was the one thing that I wasn't having a problem with so it was it was interesting to me to find out that this was um, such a common issue, uh, such a big deal in so many relationships. Because I remember you slapping me out of it and being like, "Look, you don't have the one problem that everyone else seems to have." So just just pause. <laughs> but yeah, this is, a, this is a huge topic for a lot of people. I got a ton of interest, both from spouses and officers, male, female, doesn't matter. Um, everybody has input on this issue, and I see the same problems on both sides as I was putting together the questions and thoughts for today. Um, it's it's pretty interesting. So I think we'll we'll have a good conversation. We might even make this a two-parter. We'll see. Absolutely. Yes. And I remember telling you, stop your whining because I had lots of clients that would be happy to change places with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, this, this really goes back to something we've said a lot and we will continue to say throughout all of our podcasts probably. And that is the fact that you guys and gals in law enforcement, you are trained to be problem solvers. And when we're not teaching you how that can negatively impact you at home, we're doing a huge disservice. And so I think people need to stop and recognize this is kind of where it stems from. And communication, I know we talked about that a lot last week. And one of the things that I don't think we had a chance to cover in that regard is if everybody would look at their relationship like a bank account. Communication is really important in the fact that with just like a bank account, if you're always taking withdrawals out of your partner, so to speak, and not investing anything back in, such as making a deposit into your bank account, you're going to wind up in a negative def in a deficit. And sometimes those deficits get so far in the hole that it is impossible to get it even brought back up to just to a zero balance. Uh, there's so much work and all of that. And that's usually when couples wind up saying, you know what, enough's enough. And so pay attention to your involvement in each other's lives because you chose to get married. And this is something you have to invest in each other. Things that they're in, your partner's interested in, I'm not saying you got to be out there doing it with them 24 seven, but at least take an interest in it. And this is where so much of the 
disconnect can start as well as through the five love languages. And I know this is something that we worked on with you guys. And let's, yeah. let's put you to a test here, Ace. Do you even remember what Daisha's top two love languages are? Yes, I do. Words of affirmation and acts of service. <laughs> okay, good, good job. And I think if I remember correctly, aren't you one of them that's turned into a girl? Yeah, yeah. I need words of affirmation and uh, what was it? Uh, touch. Quality time. Was that the other? Or, or was it quality time? It was either quality time or physical touch. But um, no, it was physical touch. Know, yeah. In explaining this to the audience, the five love languages. If you're not familiar with it, we all receive love through five love languages. We just have some that are primary, and the love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service physical touch, which is not sex. Let me clarify that right now. And gifts. And gifts doesn't have to be diamonds and jewelry and that kind of thing. It can be a note on a piece of toilet paper. Uh, I've had some spouses that have left notes um, in lipstick on the mirror in the bathroom for their spouse. That can be a gift. And this is also where you have to have good communication so that you understand, for example, acts of service could be anything from doing the laundry to cutting the grass, taking care of the pool. But sometimes the spouse that that is their primary love language, they may have things that they personally like to do and would rather you not do. I know for my ex, the uh, cutting the grass was a big thing. That was something he got stress relief from. So for me to go out and cut the grass as an act of service for him would not have been one he would have chosen. So we have to look at those love languages. And in the beginning, 28 years ago, when I first started and eventually started using this test, it was interesting because the majority of the females um, that were non-law enforcement, their top two were words of affirmation and quality time. For the men that were the law enforcement, it was physical touch and acts of service. And I laugh and say about 10 years ago, I don't know what happened in the world. Maybe that's when we started coming off the axis. But all of a sudden, most of the male cops coming in, their top two were words of affirmation and quality time. And the spouse's top two were acts of service and physical touch. I understand the acts of service because so many of them were mothers of young children. And... People have to understand that as those children grow up and become less and less dependent on the spouse or the, the mother, then that act of service love language might change. So this is something you might have to do several times throughout your marriage. And it is a great beginning point. Also, uh, I always encourage couples to do this early on. And I think when y'all took the test, that was your first time ever taking it, wasn't it? Yeah. Had you even heard of it before? Yeah, we'd been to a couple of marriage classes that the church offers um, and they talked about those things. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there were a couple of books on it and stuff like that, but we hadn't taken any tests on it before. And people kind of kind of laugh and go, yeah, yeah, whatever, Susan, sounds like a bunch of hoo-ha. But the reality is, is that if you're not speaking your partner's love language, they probably will not receive love in the manner that they need to. Do y'all have any examples of things of how that changed with you guys? 
I don't know about how it changed, but I know that just understanding that it was that we could put a name to it, that there were differences mm -hmm. and that they were highlighted so differently. When we took the test, we tested really differently on things like acts of service and gifts, right? Like the, those were things that weren't even on my radar. And that was two and three for her. The gifts especially surprised me. <laughs> um, but it's like you said, it's little things, right? And so it was, yeah. it, it, it made me understand that we expect different things from each other as far as how we're being shown that the other person cares. Um, and that for 10 years up until then, that didn't really make sense to me. It was, well, you come home, you tell them you love them, you go to work, you do the things that you have to do for them. And when you have time, you're intimate. Like those, that was for me, that's, that's how I wanted it. That's how I liked it. So I figured that's how all people were. So I didn't know that it was different until you break that down by the test and then seeing how different it was huge eye opener mm -hmm. for something like that. So that, that made a huge difference in how we started to try and talk to each other and then also ask questions because you care about that person. Even if you're doing a crappy job of speaking their language, you still care about them in most cases. So you're still like, Hey, like, am I hitting the, the right keys here or am I way off base? So it gave us, it gave us something to check in on every now and then. So it was really good. And we're going to get to the sex part. I know some of us, what does this have to do with sex? Well, it actually has everything. Yeah. And as we get to that part, you'll understand. But the example that I usually give, in the offices is that I can probably 100% unequivocally say that in my marriage that um, my husband's primary love language was acts of service. And the example I can give is when he would be gone for long periods of time due to his job, come home, be home for a few days and then be headed out again on some, some other mission. Uh, for those few days, he would be in the garage washing and waxing my car because that was a big deal for him. So his interpretation is that would be a big deal to me. Well, I have since divorced, taken the test, and I know for a fact that my top two, or I'm actually what's called bilingual, my top two um, tied for number one, and that's words of affirmation and quality time. And if you think about it, if your spouse is doing acts of service, they're probably not spending time with you. And if yours is quality time and words of affirmation, you can see where there'll be a huge disconnect there. And then anything that he does as an act of service comes in, tells me he's got the car spit shine, looking good, gassed up, ready to go. And now I disrespect what he's done because I'm not receiving that the man in the manner that he intended for me to receive it because he didn't know any better. And I think these are just really, really important basic foundations. I wish couples, um, and I've had some in the past that have come to me before they got married. Um, and Ace, I'm sure you already know this, but I actually have been officiating law enforcement weddings out here, which just cracks me up. <laughs> I've got one coming up in December <laughs> for a Phoenix officer. And uh, this is something that I feel like couples need to do in the early stages to learn how to start off on the right foot. Now to get into the, the fun topic of sex, it's always interesting to me when I teach this class. And the first time I taught this, I had, oh, I don't know, 60, 65 predominantly male deputies in a class at Jefferson County there in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, a, a dear friend of mine who is actually going to be running for sheriff, Danny Hallmark, probably remembers this. I'm hoping Danny is going to be watching this. If not, I'll tell him to. And I had these deputies in there and I asked the question, 
how are men sexually stimulated? And what do you think their response was, Ace? When you look at interesting. Yes, you can. Go ahead. Based on your senses, okay, how are men sexually stimulated? I would say visually or physically, and not in any particular order. <laughs> it's definitely visual is where it starts. And I would tell them that means you're capable of having sex with anybody who walks through the door that you find physically attractive because that's how you guys are wired. And of course they all had a big chuckle out of it. And then I said, okay, how were women sexually stimulated? And I wish you could have heard the responses because it was absolutely priceless. And let me go ahead right now and just say this to you men that are out there who your first thought, we, we know what the first thought is, money, credit cards, that kind of stuff, which I actually is not the case. I know we make a lot of jokes about it and stuff, but I actually had one in the class who looked at me and he said that Miss Simmons, I think women are sexually stimulated by men who are hung like mules. And I have to tell you, I don't know that I've ever laughed so hard in my life. <laughs> and my response was, if that's the case, we'll take the mule because we just leave him in the backyard and all we have to do is throw him a little hay every now and then. We don't have to listen to him. We don't have to do his laundry. You know, we might have to clean up the backyard every now and then. But I assure you, gentlemen, hear me say this. No woman ever took a picture of her husband's anatomy and went around telling other women how good looking it was. That is not how we are built. We are not visual creatures. And throughout my career, I have actually looked for cases where women have been arrested for soliciting a male prostitute. And I can't find one. Prostitution, again, is based on you find the man finds one that is visually stimulating to him, doesn't need to know her name. That's why most of them are named Candy or something like that. And don't need to know their mom or their grandma or their dog or anything else about them because they're visual creatures. And here's what I said to this class. I said, women are orally stimulated. And I am telling you, these young deputies sucked every bit of that oxygen out of that academy. I was having to tell them to breathe. I was laughing. And I said, we are orally stimulated by what comes out of your mouth to our ears. And then I had to say, do not go home and try to have sex in your wife's ear tonight because I'm amazed at what people hear me say and, and take to the literal term. <laughs> Here's how it works. Women especially talk to ourselves in a very negative manner. Society says if you're married and you have children and you have a career, you have to be the best at everything. You got to be the best housekeeper, the best cook, the best mom, the best wife, the best sex partner, the best everything men somehow get away with just being good providers as long as you're a good provider y'all are okay and again we know y'all are somewhat simple creatures we've covered that in the past but when women are being told that everywhere they go society says it in every message we receive and then we start talking to ourselves and on average we talk to ourselves at the rate of about 365 words per minute 
traditionally 85% of those words are negative. And it's not usually things like I'm fat or I'm ugly or I'm not a nice person, but we start second guessing. We shouldn't have said this. We shouldn't have said that. We shouldn't have done this. And then you come in and start talking to us and thinking that you are motivating us in some form or fashion. I actually had a couple one time years ago in Alabama and they were on the couch and I said, what's going on? And she said, he really hurt my feelings this morning. I looked at him and thought, what now? And he said, well, he said, we were lying there in bed and she was snuggled up to me and we were talking and talking about our day. And she said something to the effect of that she felt fat and wanted to lose at least, at least 10 pounds. And I said, what did you say to her? And he goes, well, I thought I was going to motivate her. He said, I told her to get her fat ass out of the bed and get on the treadmill. And I literally thought I was going to have to beat him. <laughs> no, that really is not what she was looking for. All she was looking for was, sweetheart, I love you at whatever size you are. But if you don't feel good about yourself, how can I help you? to do whatever it is you need to do. And then he got it. It was like a light bulb went off. But when y'all are talking to us the way you often can, and again, I'm talking primarily male law enforcement to non-female law enforcement. The other problem comes in that because you're problem solvers, a lot of times you'll come in and kind of dictate to us or criticize us for decisions we've made or you're going to handle everything and you start talking to us as if you are the parent and we're the child. And for anyone watching this, that's sitting there going, Oh, this is a bunch of crap. You're listening to this podcast about how to have more sex with your spouse than you thought possible because something's not working for you at home. So here's my argument to you. If what you're doing is so right, then why are you listening to this podcast? You probably need the help. And I've had a deputy one time tell me, he said, Susan, I don't know about all this, but I'll try it. And the next week I got an email from him and all it said in capital letters is I'm exhausted. <laughs> Watch talking to your spouse. Think yeah. back. You've been married. How long Ace? It'll be 11 years in January. Not a boy. <laughs> yeah, don't miss that on here. You'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> Think about what it was like when you were dating her. What kind of mm -hmm. things did y'all do when you were dating? Uh, went all kinds of places, restaurants, the beach, had fun, zero responsibility, really. True. How did that change after you got married? Even before kids? <laughs> it was, it, it was, it was far more formal. It, there was, it was a lot of in passing. We both had jobs. We were living together, both trying to start a family. And it was, there was a lot more time where we we're around each other where it wasn't purposefully romantic. So it was, mm -hmm. it became more routine. And that's what I tell couples all the time you have to continue to date each other. Marriage is work. And if somebody told you it wasn't, they lied to you. It is work and it is 
one constant negotiation and compromise. And if you stop doing the things you did when you were dating, then you're already headed for trouble. Again, I had a, an officer in a class one time and he looked at me and he said, wait a minute, Susan. He said, I married her. You mean I got a call or two like I did when I was dating her? And I thought, what in the world? Again, especially if words of affirmation are important to her, that's going to be very important to continue to do that. And, and now you've got the benefit of texting. So it makes it easy. And I tell people, guys, texting is not for fighting. Texting is for bring home milk. How's your day? Miss you, love you. How are the kids? I have people who fight in text. Drives me crazy. You miss inflection. This is only going to create more problems. And again, going back to what we've already talked about in past podcasts of how academies are telling y'all, don't bring the job home. Keep personal and professional separate. When you start that, not talking to your spouse, again, we're going to start to have issues. And if you're only talking to us as if you're a parent or we are a criminal or a dope dealer or something, then you're also going to have a disconnect because subconsciously for women, and so much of sex for us is based on intimacy and it's about how you make us feel about ourselves. And if you're criticizing us or you're talking to us as if you are the parent and we are the child subconsciously, that's incest because you have taken a parent role with us and you want to really turn a woman off, start talking to her like your children like they're two years old. And I tell people, here's the simple test. If what you're about to say to your spouse is what you would say to your child, don't say it. Now, let me say this too. It can go the other way. I did have an officer one time down in, at a conference in Florida and he pulled me aside after this training. He said, Susan, he goes, I think it's the opposite for us. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, my wife, and this has been a number of years ago. And he said, my wife makes six figures. And he said, she basically gives me an allowance and right off. I'm thinking, oh, this is headed down a really bad road. And then she told him where he could spend his allowance. So now she has taken a mother role with him. And this also will disconnect a couple from sex. And when things like this happen, you're in major trouble. You've got to get into someone that can help you put this marriage back on track because <clears throat> sex is 5% of a marriage, but it is a very important 5% of a marriage. And it is the one thing that should be unique to the couple. Yeah. I remember when you told me that for the first time, I never made that connection before that I have relationships all over my life. I have friends, I have family members. And one of the most unique things about my relationship to my wife is that intimacy, that sexual relationship, right? I don't just go around having sex with everybody, you know, that's just with my spouse. So at least you shouldn't, <laughs> you make your own life choices, I guess. Um, but I, I see this all the time and with what you're saying, as far as one treating the other, like a child, I see this even more often now too, with wives treating their husbands 
that way. And I don't know if it's a cultural shift or if it's like, you know, the, the stupid doting, like, uh, what is it, Al Bundy type husband thing where you're just like, oh, he's just the idiot and breadwinner kind of thing. And, you know, they treat him kind of like a, like a dope or something. And that seems to be more and more common as I'm having these kinds of conversations with people. More husbands seem to feel like their wives are the boss. They ask permission for everything. They're in, and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be communication and decisions made together. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's healthy. But it, when nothing can go forward when you when you have no power to make any decisions and when your say isn't an equal say or the final say mm-hmm. um that's it, it can feel uncomfortable especially i think for a guy in our position who's used to being in charge um when we talk about having to give that up in a relationship to a degree because you guys are equals um but to be put at a at a subservient level that that can i i feel like that's damaging to their psyche as well in the relationship um i have a a letter that I kind of pieced together from some people. I just wanted to read it real quick because I feel like it represents a large majority of these relationships and how these guys feel sometimes. Um, and it's like you're saying, this is what, this is like an end result of when communication is broken down for so long and you've had these issues mm-hmm. that have grown over time and you haven't repaired them. And in fact, they probably compounded um, because you guys, when you fail to communicate, uh, you separate and you communicate less, you put in less effort and it just gets worse. And that divide turns into the Grand Canyon um, and you end up here. So yes. if you're okay, I'm going to go ahead and read that, Susan, real quick. Um, sure. My wife and I have sex once a week if I'm lucky. Most of the time when she agrees, it's reluctant. I've been married for nearly 10 years and this has been gr- a growing problem. I'm beginning to resent her and I often find myself desiring the attention of other women. This has become apparent since some of my friends are asking if I'm having issues and if they can tell, it must be bad. Is she not attracted to me? Is it emotional? What can I do to help our sex life? And we've been talking about this the whole time we've been on this podcast today is you have to learn to communicate. You have to, and you both do, you both do. I don't, I don't know that I've ever talked to one member of a marriage or relationship where the problem was solely on one person. Um, it may weigh a little more with one person. That's usually where it starts. And the other person starts to feel disrespected or unappreciated, but then they start to give it back. Um, even if it's not on purpose, they start to give that right back. Resentment grows and it takes control of you. So I think that's how it leads up to this kind of thing. And communication really does equal like good communication equals a good sex life. Guys, (laughs) if you're listening, pay attention to that. It, It really does. If you guys can learn to talk to the other person the way that they listen and they will do the same. They may or may not do the same thing, right? You can't control them. But if you can do that, I guarantee you're going to get better attention from that person and more attention that you enjoy. Um, so that it's, it's key to understand how to communicate. Just like Susan's saying, this is, this is totally key. This is the keystone to all of the other type of affection in a relationship is communication. And here's one problem as Trained problem solvers, we tend to see the law enforcement spouse come home in one of two ways, attitude-wise. You either come through like a bull in a china closet, trying to fix everything, solving all the problems, or you come in and go, I've been solving problems all day long. Leave me alone. The last thing I want to do is solve a problem. And that is... I believe the key so many times to the spouse, the non-law enforcement spouse, 
feeling like they have to take charge and take control. And they don't realize what they're doing, but things have to get done. And if the law enforcement spouse's attitude is I've been solving problems all day and I'm not going to solve problems at home, that's something you have to handle. We, we have made that change in the relationship that now somebody's over somebody else. And that's, that's where things get, get in trouble. And again, this is the art of negotiation. Spouses shouldn't hit the one coming home. The minute he hits the door and says, you need, you know, the grass needs cutting and the, the pool needs cleaning and the garbage needs to go out and those kinds of things. This is where communication ahead of time and continuing to date each other. When dating stops, then intimacy is going to be greatly impacted. And to the officer that wrote you that letter, one thing I want to say is I guarantee you there are people listening to this podcast going, man, you're getting it once a week. You're lucky. I've had couples come in and say, we haven't had sex in five years. And my attitude is like, whoa, that horse is dead in the ditch. The vultures have picked the bones, discarded them around the country. And you want me to put it together and resurrect it. Please don't wait till things get to this point to call our stress coaches. When you start having disagreements about relationship issues, especially call us. There are things we can do. There are some exercises I have used and I, and I'll tell you this gentlemen listening, groping will get you nowhere. I don't know who taught y'all that coming up behind us at the stove or at the kitchen sink and groping us was going to put us in any kind of a romantic mood, especially with children running around and dinner needs to be cooked and homework needs to be done and all of these things. And women, it's our fault because we've sent the wrong message because we get to a place. Here's what it looks like for weeks, days, months, years, whatever. The husband comes up and is groping the wife and he tries and he tries day after day. And then finally we go, okay. And we give in. We're just reinforcing the behavior. We need to stop and have a conversation about help me get these things done. Give us an opportunity to get the kids to bed. Let us sit and have a glass of wine or whatever and have a conversation about our days. Reconnect. And I promise you, things will change. One of the exercises that I use with couples that are having issues with the groping and lack of sex, and a big one is lack of women initiating sex. The men constantly feel like they're having to initiate and they get rejected over and over. This can cause all kinds of issues on their end. Plus, uh, actually had officers say that they're being accused of having affairs and they're not having one, but because they're being accused of it so much, they might as well have one, which is not a good plan. Uh, I'm not endorsing that by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but again, this is where we have to maintain that dating relationship and the groping I'll tell you now, isn't going to get you anywhere. Uh, this makes us feel cheap. It makes us feel like that's all we're wanted for. And so what are the exercises I use? And it's really funny. I've only had 
one or two couples that complained about it. And I think it's because we had people who just wanted to continue to have problems and be victims. But one of the things I say is, okay, no sex for two weeks, but I want you hugging, kissing, snuggling up on the couch, watching a movie, holding hands, rebuild the foundation that says to her that the only time you want sex isn't when you're groping because when uh, the only time you ever touch us is when you want to have sex, then we get to a place where we go. So don't touch me because we know on average, and this is not to say that there aren't women who are more sexual than their husbands. There are, there's some other different issues going on there. But for the woman that feels like the only time her husband hugs her, kisses her, holds her hand or touches her is when he wants to have sex then we have to rebuild a safe environment that says, okay, for two weeks, no matter what, no sex, but we're going to do all these other things. I promise you in every case where they have done it within five to seven days, she is initiating sex. And then what happens is they have sex. They come in the office. They said, well, we made it a week. Okay. We have to start all over again. Two weeks, no sex. They never make it that far. And it's always the woman who winds up initiating because during that week, she has felt loved and connected and valued and respected and all of those things because she knew it was okay to hug him. It was okay to kiss him. It was okay to sit on his lap or lay down on the couch with him because the rules were no sex. And when you set boundaries like that for people, you can begin to rebuild these things. And I challenge any couple out there going through this, try what I'm saying. But men, and I know y'all are not going to turn them down when a woman initiates it because it's so rare in, in these marriages that we're talking about. I know you're not going to turn her down. I get it. Uh, but if we can start to rebuild it there and she can feel safe in initiating and not just only when you hug her or kiss her is the only time you ever want to have sex. Then we can begin to make these changes from a psychological and a physiological standpoint. Yeah. It's funny that you're mentioning that particular um, idea, that, that tool that you were using, because we use that and you never mm -hmm. told me that everybody fails, right? Because that would ruin the experiment. That's the whole point. And we were so afraid to tell you. We made it like two days. And we were just like, we're just not going to tell Susan. We're just not going to tell. So like the next week came around, we, just did, we didn't even talk about it. That's right. Yeah. And it was super effective. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm telling you guys, it is, it is a huge uh, difference when, when you're, making that kind of contact and you're having those kinds of interactions where it doesn't feel like it's being demanded of the other partner that this escalate to sex, right? Um, we'd had those conversations earlier in our marriage, long before I ever had a stress coach or anything like that, where those exact words were said, right? Well, it only seems like you ever, you know, want to kiss me or hold my hand to get to that point. And it's like, well, I mean, if I thought, if I think about it, you're kind of right. You know what I mean? Cause you go through the motions every day, come home from work, you're doing whatever, you have your conversations. And then when you think about it and you want to be intimate, you want to go all the way and be intimate, right? So you start to initiate to get to a point, right? It's a means to an end. Um, and that's yeah. when it becomes routine. And that really takes a lot of that romance out of it, a lot of that chemistry. 
and that chemistry is huge, right? Um, rebuilding some of that, like I have in my marriage uh, over the last, uh, I would say as recent as six months, getting healthy, feeling better about myself. She's done the same thing. We communicate better. That chemistry comes back and it's so much stronger. Um, so for those of you who feel like, oh man, that chemistry is dead and gone. I'm telling you, I've been married. We've been married. It'll be 11 years in January. We've been together for almost 13. It's a long time. We got three kids. It can come back. <laughs> You're okay. You can rekindle that. All that needs to happen is you both have to want to do that. And then you both have to take steps to do it. As long as those two things are there, you'll get there. Um, because if somebody doesn't want to, well, there's not really anything you can do about that. And I, and I want to say to the women out there, I, I, I don't think anybody ever tells women this or don't tell them this enough. You know, when you get married and you decide to have children, you and your spouse need to maintain that you are each other's priority. And then together, the children become the priority. So we make decisions about the children together, knowing that the non-law enforcement spouse is probably not going to be the one who has primary care because of the job, the nature of the job. That's just how it works. But I think all too often, and I know in my own situation, you know, when you have little ones and they are completely dependent on you for everything, you kind of look at your partner like, hey, you hang out over there, you're a grown man. Uh, I'll call you when they're 18, when they become <laughs> more self-sufficient and don't need me as much, I'll, then I'll let you know. That is not the way a family should function at all. And kids need to see their parents date. Kids need to see their parents hugging. They need to see their kid, their parents snuggled up on the couch watching a movie because you're setting the foundation of what they believe marriage will look like. And this is really important in their development and in their security and all of that. And I'm not saying kids should never see parents disagree. They should, because you will teach them the art of negotiation. Now I'm not talking about fighting and calling names and that kind of stuff, but I'm talking about where you disagree on a, on a point you either can agree to disagree which is a valuable lesson that they should learn that obviously a lot of people in this country haven't learned. Um, and, or they're going to see that art of negotiation where you each reach a compromise of what you want and can come up with something that works for both of you. These are things kids need to learn, but it's important for them. Yes. They'll run around the house. Ooh, and yuck. And mom and dad are hugging on the couch and, you know, kissing and all that kind of stuff. But um, again, it's a healthy thing for children to see their parents do. So they need to see you date each other. And I'll make dating really easy for my clients. I tell them, I want each of you to take a piece of paper and I want you to write out your date list, things you'd like to do. And I don't mean dinner and a movie. I'm talking specific restaurants you've heard about or places maybe you've been, you hadn't been in 10 years. Um, I've got some of my couples out here are putting things like the indoor skydiving. I don't understand that, but more power to them. Um, I've had husbands find out for the first time that their spouses were interested in going out on a, a, the firing range and shooting. And out here it's easy because we live in the desert and you just go find some open land and you can shoot to your heart's content. 
uh, they're finding out a lot of things about each other that they didn't know. And I highly recommend things like comedy clubs. Laughter is a good thing. And I tell them, okay, husband, you plan off her list. And then the next date night, she plans off of his list. And I actually had one husband who looked at me and said, great, I get to pick the lesser of the evils. And I started laughing. I thought, well, at least you get to pick. Um, and then if you do things and you, and it was horrible, scratch it off the list. But if it was really good, put a star by it, leave them on the refrigerator. So we can add to them and see um, what people are adding, what kinds of things they're adding. And I think you'll find a lot of the stuff is stuff you were doing when you were dating. But for some reason, that was what you did when you were dating. And you don't do it now that you're married. You're the same mm -hmm. people with marriages are successful because of shared interest. And again, this comes back to communication. You can't really have too many shared interests if you're not talking about things like this, uh, dreaming about where you want to be in five, 10, 15, 20 years, even if they're not necessarily things that you really believe you will ever be able to financially accomplish. Dreaming is a great thing for couples. This is stuff that says I'm in it for the long haul. And when you're planning your futures that way and talking about your futures, it says, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. If people aren't talking long range, then you've got a problem. Um, another area that we didn't cover that again, women need to feel that security. And I'm not saying men don't either, but one of the things I have found where couples really mess up in the beginning and that's financially. And again, finances will screw up and stress people out to the point sex isn't happening. The only way I have ever seen it successful is to have run your, run your finances like your friends, his, hers, and ours. You have to have ours. So what I recommend is three bank accounts minimum. This is an addition to savings accounts or whatever. Everything that is earned goes into the hour account and that's the household account. And then in your budget, you budget whatever amount to go into the, his account and her account. This is where people need to maintain a little independence. Um, for example, if Ace, you want to buy Daisha roses and it's no holiday or anything, but you don't want to see that come out of the household account because she's going to see it before you ever get the flowers delivered, especially the way banks work nowadays. You know, it used to take a while for mm -hmm. checks to hit. But now that stuff comes out automatically. She, you know, cat's already out of the bag. This gives you an opportunity to have those funds or, you know, I've had women tell me their husbands complain about how much they spend getting their nails done or their hair cut or whatever. Okay. That's her account. Money goes into that. She doesn't have to account for it. He wants a new gun, which I don't believe you can ever have too many of. Um, then, you know, he can save that and doesn't ever have to hear about it coming out of the household account. That is the only way I've ever seen it work. And it needs to start that way from the beginning. This is building us. This is building we, this is building ours. But when it is his and hers, that's roommates. That's people that subconsciously they're almost saying to their partner, you know what? I'm not sure we're going to make it. And this will make it easier if we wind up getting divorced. 
Yeah. I, and I want to touch on that too, because ye oh, just yesterday I was having a conversation and if th this officer's listening, uh, I'm, I'm not going to name you. Sorry to put you on blast. But we were talking about how him and his wife have separate accounts and another officer in the room agreed and goes, oh yeah, absolutely. You need to set like, she needs to have her money. I need to have my money. We need to keep it separate. And so I, I, I kind of hit him on it. I was like, I challenged him. I was like, okay, why? And he's like, well, cause she's always, my check comes in and she wants to spend whatever I don't need to spend on bills. She thinks it's just hers to spend. And I was like, okay, let's just say that that's entirely true, right? Because I only have half the story. <laughs> but let's just say that's the case. <laughs> having accounts doesn't fix the problem, right? It's a Band-Aid. You're not having communication. You're not talking about better spending habits. You're not solving anything. You're avoiding a problem. That's not healthy. It's still there. It's not like she's going to disappear one day and you're not going to have that worry that she's going to spend everything you've ever made. You need to have those conversations. You need to educate each other. I'm sure from her perspective, she just doesn't under, she might not understand that well, there's a million reasons. I'm not even going to get into that. There's a million reasons why she might see it a particular way and why you see it differently. Mm -hmm. The only way to solve that is through communication, right? And if you're having problems solving it, then you're probably not communicating very well. It's about getting to the root of the problem and finding a solution and it'll make you both better and it'll make your relationship healthier. When you just decide to divide things up and build these little walls and you partition your relationship, there's only so many rooms that you guys meet in together that you have common ground. You need to break down those walls, communicate about stuff, and make your common ground as big as possible to make your relationship successful. If you can't do that, you're, you're going to struggle. And I'm sure there's so many guys that are talking about like, oh man, I, I would never put my bank account with my wife's bank account. That just sounds like a bad idea. Well, then maybe you guys have something to talk about, right? So maybe there's something that you guys need to touch on because that's, that's a problem. Right? If you can't trust the other person with your financial stability, there's a problem because you guys are working together for the yeah. same goals or you should be. Um, so it yes. needs to be talked about, right? It's not unfixable. It's totally fixable. It's, it's just talking, right? So you need, to, you need to learn how to talk to each other. And let me say this also, that in a law enforcement marriage where only one is in law enforcement, please understand it is not fair for you to work extra duty and that money to always go into your account, especially if your spouse is in a field that they don't have the ability to work extra jobs to build into their account. And if you have made the decision like some couples have, I know Ace and, and his wife have, that she's going to stay at home. She doesn't have that ability to work overtime. She's working 24 seven as it is. So we have to, again, negotiate what's going to happen with that money where it's two law enforcement officers married to each other. And you both have the ability to earn the extra money. Then those things can go into your individual accounts. <coughs> so understand that just because you earn it, nothing drives me crazier than to hear couples in here and the man or the woman, We'll talk about it's my money. When you decided to get married and become one and become a family with or without kids, everything should be ours. And again, we can negotiate it and that's where you budget. I'm shocked at the number of couples that still don't have a budget. And if the husband is feeling like in the cases that you're talking about that the wife just spends, then she may not have ever learned money management. I, I can speak to that a hundred times. <clears throat> um, 
And this is a place where, again, together we have to learn. I've had couples come in that I literally have to, they pull their credit reports and bring them to me. And we sit down with those things. We sit down with their budgets. And it doesn't take long to get people on track when they're communicating. But finances is something that typically leads to an argument. And again, going back to these are our biggest sex organs right here. So if you're criticizing us for things, not working with us on things, then I assure you, if you start telling me how wrong I am on everything I'm doing, you're going to be out on the couch for six months and we don't forget. You men, we can dog cuss you, your mama, your grandmama, your dog, everything. And 30 seconds later, you're ready to have sex because that isn't how you are stimulated. That's not what you base your zone, but that certainly is the way the majority, and I'm not saying all, there are exceptions to every rule, but I know, again, the 28 years I've been doing this, these are the things that I hear and the things that we work on with couples. And when sex isn't happening, and again, to your guy that's doing it once a week, I have to tell him, I think he's a lucky man because um, some people are once a month, once every six months, something like that. So he, he may not want to look a gift horse too far in the mouth, but it doesn't mean that he can't go from once a week to once every two weeks to once every three weeks. And it begins to deteriorate more and more. Get in now, you know, call me, call the stress coaches, start working with someone else. Do not wait until it has gotten so far down the road or the emotional bank account is at such a deficit that that we can't put this thing back together don't don't yeah. wait till then and that's what happens all too often is to me people say um you know we should have come to you now they'll say five years ago and i'll go why didn't you and they really don't know why they think they could fix it but the problem is is if you couldn't keep it from happening, then you probably don't have the tools, the skill set. Uh, plus the fact couples always say to me, how come you can say the same thing to us? We say to each other and we'll listen to you. Well, I'm not going home with you. I don't have a dog in this fight. You know, yes, I worry about my clients and I'll feel bad for you and all that stuff. But my life goes on. The office runs the same here, whether y'all do what I suggest or you don't. <clears throat> I'm just giving you, uh, options of things that apparently you haven't thought to try yourselves. And again, I don't have anything to gain one way or the other here. Yeah, it's, it, you said the word tools. That was big for me. And when I first started seeing you, I felt like I was going to become dependent on the guidance that I was getting. And so I remember asking you, I think it was on the phone on the way to a session. It's like, I want to start to learn these tools that you're teaching me so that I can implement them on my own. Right. And start to, it, it teaches you how to think and observe a little differently. It's just like what you do with your children. You're, you're giving them tools so that they can interact with the world better. And all this is, is just yes. giving you a better roadmap so that you can navigate your marriage better and your relationships better. Um, and really it's not even just about relationships. We talk about all kinds of stuff, your work, uh, everything, but today we're talking about relationships and it gives you the tools to be able to do that in a more successful manner, right? Nobody has all the answers. We don't have all the answers. Um, we just have a conglomeration of a lot of things that have worked over time. Um, and we'll, we'll share them with you. So call in, talk to somebody. Um, it, it's, it's just, it's a, it's an opportunity to save 
what you might not realize you're losing. Um, unless yes. you think your relationship is in great health and you guys are doing fine, um, I would say you don't really have anything to lose from talking to somebody and discovering those tools and learning about them before you need them. Better to be prepared before the storm than when it hits, you know what I mean? So uh, contact somebody. We have all the info on the screen there, that 855 number. Call us. And then especially, we're, we're coming up to a wrap on this show, but uh, I am getting so much good feedback from you guys on Facebook, um, like a ton. You guys are giving me a bunch of good questions and scenarios and ideas, thoughts, things to talk about, especially with this topic. You guys sent me a ton of stuff. Um, so we'll have to hit on this again at some point. But if you have something that you want to talk about or something that this brought up, like a question, uh, maybe you're not comfortable reaching out to a stress coach yet and you just want to send me a question or send Susan a question, find us on Facebook. We both have a Facebook page. You can go to the Fight in Progress page, send us a message. We'll both get it. Um, and I am happy to answer you one-on-one -on -one or have Susan answer you one-on-one. -on -one. Whatever you want to do, uh, reach out to us. Tell us what you're thinking, what your questions are, topics you want to touch on. Uh, things that you disagreed with. We want to talk about it all. That's what this is for. We're, we're just here for you guys. We love doing this. We love having these conversations. Um, I think it's fair of me to speak for Susan when we say this is this is a passion that we have. This is something that we really like doing, talking about. So thank you guys for participating and making it a lot easier on us to think of these things. And, and let me say this too. Um, if you have found things maybe where your marriage was in trouble and you found tools from other resources that worked for you, We'd love to hear about that too. You know, we we know there's a lot uh, of things going on out there that are positive in these law enforcement marriages. We we want to hear from you. Let us know what worked, what didn't work. Um, and, and again, our stress coaches. I can't reiterate this enough. Um, you can email me, but our stress coaches are not mandated reporters. We will never ask your name. We will never ask where you are. We may ask, are you police, fire, or military to make sure you get to the right stress coach? But you don't even have to tell us that. We're here 24-7, 365. We're not a referral source. We're not going to refer you out to call another number. Um, we, I, I have personally trained every one of the stress coaches. It's a 40-hour it's a certification. They have to have done it, been married to it, raised by it, or given birth to it. It's not someone with just academia and book knowledge, although we have some with masters and PhDs, but they are not mandated reporters. And when you call the 855 number, it routes through our office in Mesa. We don't even have your phone number. When you hit number one for immediate assistance, we do not have your phone number. The 855 number pops up on the stress coach's phone. If you hit one of our personal extensions, we will get your phone number with that or a voice message. Um, block your number. We don't care. This is not what it's about. It's about you needing assistance, guidance of some sort. If you're interested in the training, also reach out to us. This is something we love to go into the departments and do these trainings. Uh, but as Ace says, we're here for you. This is, this is for you guys and gals. And you are such a vital population and such an essential element. We respect what you do. And it's very difficult to see all the things that are happening to our warriors um, and, and not feel like we've got to do something. So that's what this podcast is about. Let us know what you want to talk about. And we'll touch on this subject some more. I'm sure as we go along spouses, you can call us significant others can call us. Um, but please let us hear from you. And I'm thrilled that we're getting the responses that we are. 
And we just ask you to take care of yourselves, take care of your families. God bless you and your families in this great nation that we live in. And we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later.